Bienvenidos y welcome to Siéntate y Hablemos, el show brought to you by El Centro at Elon University with your host Nico, Maggie y Gaby. Bienvenidos y welcome to Siéntate y Hablemos. Um, today's show is going to be a little bit different. Instead of having Nico, Gaby, and Maggie, we're actually going to have me, Danny Pino, and my two co-hosts. Do you both want to introduce yourselves? Sure. Thanks, Danny. Um, my name is Nelson Isabel. Uh, I use he, him pronouns, and I'm a graduate student here at Elon University in the Master of Arts in Higher Education program, and I am the graduate apprentice in the Center for Leadership. Hi, Danny. Thanks for that introduction. I'm Kimberly Romero. I prefer she, her pronouns. I am currently serving as the Assistant Director of Diversity Recruitment here in the Office of Admissions at Elon, as well as the Admissions Counselor for students from the Eastern half of North Carolina. Nice. And for those that don't know, I'm Danny Pino. I'm the Assistant Director of El Centro in the Center for Race, Ethnicity, and Diversity Education at Elon University. Um, so let's just get right into it. Let's talk about like, how did we get to Elon? Um, what brought us to Elon in the first place? Um, I can go ahead and start and kick us off here. And so um, I graduated from the University of South Florida um, in Tampa, Florida in 2016. Um, and before I graduated, I knew that I wanted to go into graduate school, but I knew that I didn't want to go at that time. Um, and so I took almost like a, well, I took a four year gap and a, in 2019, uh, December, 2019, I was like, Hmm, I think I'm ready to go back to school. Um, so I was looking out for like a graduate programs in higher education. And I reached out to one of my mentors from my undergrad at USF. And I was like, Hey, like I'm back on the search. Um, trying to figure some things out. And so like, do you have any ideas of like good programs or, or things? Um, and she was connected, or I think she had received like some sort of admission piece from Elon University's program. And at the time I was living in Japan and she said, well, since you have such an interest in being abroad, Elon's program has like the study abroad component um built into it so that could be a really good fit and then i looked into the program and it has like a lot of that hands-on experience um that comes with like the academics and then also the apprenticeship and the internship ex experiences and the study abroad um so i was like well let's try it out like i don't know about north carolina but we can go ahead and see and then i applied and then i got the offer for an interview interviewed and then I got offered the apprenticeship with the Center for Leadership. And then next thing I know, it was July 27th, 2020. And I was moving into my apartment here at Elon and getting ready to start school. Um, so that's like the abridged version, but yeah, that's how I got here. Yeah, I can tackle this one next. So I actually grew up in Burlington, North Carolina. So right down the street, um, Elon, the term I always say is it's kind of been in my backyard. So I remember being here for an art competition actually in, I wanna say second or third grade. And there's a picture of me actually over at alumni gym that I took with my parents of me just standing next to this little stick figure drawing that somehow earned me some tickets to a women's basketball game. Um, so a full circle moment for sure. I um, was very fortunate to participate in the Elon Academy during my high school years. So um, it is a college access and success program. I got to spend my high school summers here on Elon's campus, taking classes and building connections um, in preparation for my actual time in college. I did choose to go a little bit further from home uh, down the road to Wake Forest University for my undergrad experience. Uh, after graduation, I went to Teach for America for two years down in Miami, Florida. So South Florida's strong, seems like here. Um, so I was a second grade teacher and a fourth grade teacher there. I ended my time teaching virtually as the pandemic was taking off. 
but I knew that um, education was a passion of mine and I knew just how much power is held in education and how that can move people, um, that upward mobility that's so important. Um, and that's something that was really instilled in me. So it didn't matter what kind of space I was in as long as it was working in education in some way, shape or form. So after Teach for America, um, or towards the end of it rather, I started that job search um, of looking for different places to go. I knew I wanted to come back to North Carolina um, and this position opened up and it had been, um, an ongoing search. Uh, they were really focused on bringing in someone with an interest in the Hispanic Latinx community. So it kind of just tied in all my passions and it turned out to be a really, really great fit. Um, so that's how I, how I've landed where I am now. I think my journey, so I'm also from South Florida, specifically Broward County, shout out 954, right? Um, I think specifically, um, for my undergraduate and graduate experience, they're both in the same university. I went to Florida International University down here in Miami. Um, and I ended up getting to Elon because I did a summer internship two years ago in Boston at Berkeley College of Music. And one of my coworkers there um, was actually in a master's of higher education program at Elon University. Um, and she was telling me about how much she enjoyed Elon. She was kind of like him. She really enjoyed, she like basically grew up with Elon um in her backyard she was from Burlington as well she told me how much she really like appreciated the university and how she saw the values that the university had and I really appreciate that and specifically with diversity equity and inclusion so I got really interested into it and I saw a position open where it was like assistant director of the centro um and I looked into the center and it looked like such a cool and different position because in South Florida we don't have anything, I mean, I'm sure we do, but I just never really seen it, but we don't have support systems for Latinx Hispanic people because I even brought it up to my friends when I was applying for the position. They're like, yeah, there's no support because El Centro is like walking outside. You know what I mean? Cause like almost everybody down here like identifies as Latinx Hispanic um, compared to North Carolina where it's not as, um, our identity isn't as prominent and our culture isn't as prominent either because the culture is so heavy down here in South Florida. Um, and I'm saying down here because I'm literally down here at the moment, but um, at the same time, I'm also, um, yeah, I would say that pretty much like brought me to Elon. I had a pat, I got my master's in higher education just last year. Um, and I was really interested in using it like specifically for diversity, equity, inclusion work, and just like fit directly into it. Another piece I wanted to talk about is like, what did we study in our undergraduates too? So I'll start with this one. My major was actually psychology and my minor was sociology. And I graduated from my university's honors college, which almost counted like its own minor. I don't know how your universities did it, but like it was almost as many credits that as sociology was for me. It was like a weird thing. Um, and also all of my involvements in undergraduate were super psychology related. I was a learning assistant for our intro, actually not only introduction to psychology, but like several psychology courses, including like research methods and a couple others. I was a peer educator for our counseling and psychological services. I was a research assistant for our investigative laboratory. I did so many things related to psych and ironically, I didn't, I'm not in the field of psychology. I ended up going into education. So I don't know, I guess that was a funny part. But um, yeah, no, that was my experience. What about both of you? Yeah, I had um, a journey to figure out my majors. I think like many parents that, you know, want their kids to be quote unquote successful in college, they're like, oh, you got to go on and be a doctor, a lawyer, something in that area. So I definitely for the longest time thought I was going to be in medical school right now and practicing to be an OBGYN because I thought it was so cool. But I got to college and as much preparation as you can give a student, it just can't compare to actually being in that classroom. And I started taking those pre-med route classes and I was not doing great. I was just in a whole new element. So I knew that that was not going to work out for me. So I started taking some classes in other areas and I made some really good connections with professors that were also Hispanic Latinx um, and they were women. So I was really empowered by them. And I ended up um, finding that politics and international affairs was a good fit for 
the route that I was considering at the time, which was more uh, education policy based. So um, shout out to Dr. Bettina Wilkinson over at Wake Forest. She is a really great motivator. Um, and someone who certainly played a really important role in that, um, but also being bilingual kind of fit into that and my second major ended up being Spanish. So that's come more in handy than I could have ever imagined uh, at the time. So those are the two majors that I um, graduated with. And I, like Kim, you set it up perfectly for me because I also had a, a bit of a journey in figuring mine out. Um, when I started, undergrad, I actually started as a music education major. Um, I wanted to, my instrument is voice. So like I wanted to work in high schools, like as a chorus teacher, because my chorus teacher um, in high school was like instrumental to my four years there. Um, so I'm like, okay, like I want to pay it forward eh, in, through music and education. Um, but I had a bit of a difficult time adapting to like my university's school of music culture. Um, it was um, an interesting place. I'll use the word interesting. Uh, and there were different dynamics there that I, a, that were not the most conducive to learning. Um, so a, I ended up like after my second year, I was kind of tired and, and felt like, hmm, this is not, this is me. Like, I'm still passionate about music and still passionate about education, but maybe like, I'm not meant to, to do it in this way. Um, so I went through this whole like exploration of a major change process. Um, and like, I took pre-calculus, like, you know, cause I thought maybe I could go into the sciences. Um, and I had a, uh, a first-generation scholarship at USF. So I turned to my graduate um, assistant for the scholarship and I'm like, hey, like, I think I want to change majors. How do I go about that? Like, is it okay? Like, how do I do it? Um, anyways, like whole process of, of getting it together. Um, and I ended up a, deciding to double major in music um, studies, because I already had two years of like the music program down. I don't, I didn't want to let that go to waste. And I still wanted to continue to study voice and singing and um, just music in general and performing. Um, and then I also added international studies onto my majors. So I ended up studying a double major, which for me worked out perfectly because um, I got to just continue to learn. Um, and the international studies major at USF allowed for a lot of flexibility where I was able to like, I think I started off the major wanting to go more into like the policy side and like international like relations side. But then uh, I ended up exploring more into like sustainable development and development of like, de like developing areas in general. Um, so then my dream kind of became to be like more of an activist and um more like on the ground support with like NGOs and things like that um so in those four years I went through like a whole reevaluation of life plan um all related to my studies and yeah nice so going back to Elon when we've started at Elon did we feel supported specifically and also like do we feel supported now I can also start this one off um, just to go off of it. I, when I first went into Elon, I didn't know what I was expecting. Even like there was so many new concepts I didn't know of. For example, like employee resource groups, that wasn't really a thing at um, FIU, like at Florida International University. If it was, I wasn't aware of it. It's specifically like for Latinx Hispanic people. I just honestly, I don't remember seeing any of that like at the university, which is ironic because so many of the staff and faculty are Latinx Hispanic. Um, I would also say that I do feel supported within my team, if that makes sense. I honestly haven't had the experience. Mind you, I also got to Elon super, super recently. I got to Elon specifically like during the pandemic. So I haven't had the experience that people claim where 
Elon is very um, like, let's go out for like, I don't know, a drink or some coffee or whatever here and there. I just honestly haven't had that yet. So the few experiences that I've had are like with both of you, with Nelson and Kim, for example, where like I work with both of you, you're both Latinx, you've both been to South Florida. And there's like those little things that we have in common. We're both, we're all young, let's say like in our like twenties and stuff. Um, and so I feel like I've gained friendships like that but not necessarily like with the overall community. It's almost like with my little like niche bubble, if that makes sense. What about both of you? Um, I can go ahead and uh, share a very similar experience to Danny in the, in the way that um, I think COVID has been a big influence in like feeling supported at Elon, I guess. Um, and like that sense of like belonging as like, not only a full-time student, but also like as a staff here on campus for me. Um, stepping into Elon, I definitely appreciate the support that my supervisor and our uh, Melanie Bullock-Harris and our program assistant Melody Harder and the CFL provide, because um, they really help me like kind of acclimate to Elon on this, like in the on the office side where I'm at like four days a week or 20 hours a week um, and getting to work with students and everything like that has really kind of built like my, my own support system on the campus itself. As a student, um, I also do feel supported though that comes with like its own challenges of like learning, in a, like being in a learning environment. Um, but I, I think I've taken, I'm currently in what are maybe like eighth or ninth quarter, like, you know, like at the total courses of our program right now, like I'm like on the eighth or ninth one, I guess, like of all of them right now. Um, so being this into the program, I've been able to identify some faculty that I can feel more comfortable around. And I have felt comfortable to ask them out for coffee um, and like not just talk about academics, but like talk about like life and career and um, like all these different facets of like being in higher education as a professional, um, which I am really appreciative of. And uh, then of course, with like my own cohort members in our program, um, like I found support with um, within them. And that's been really nice too, because I also have people going through the same experience that I am like in learning and working um, at Elon and that's been a, a, a nice source of support with um, some of the folks in there as well. So yeah. I certainly echo um, what you've both shared about finding that, that space and community in those small pockets across campus. Um, for me, it was very interesting having been here and had experiences here, but now kind of flipping the script and now I'm here as a staff member and the people who were mentors and professors to me back then are now my colleagues and coworkers. So that was an interesting dynamic. Um, but in this capacity specifically, I really wanted to make it a point when I got to Elon, also in the midst of the pandemic last June, to have those one-on-one -on -one interactions with those people that I feel like are those Hispanic Latinx legends on campus. So I started reaching out to them and, and connecting and getting, getting some um, insight from them, some tips or any advice on how to, to navigate this from early on in a career at a place like Elon. So I found a community there. The, the ERG group was really, really great as well, as Danny mentioned, to getting those connections and getting those insights. I will also say within my office as well, my supervisor has been great. Shout out to Courtney Vaughn. She is super supportive of initiatives and ideas um, that support the community and it's always for the students. So that's been really great to have. Um, I, something that comes to mind, Danny, that you shared was not having those interactions like we might be used to. I think that's something that I see more and more as time goes on is that I wish I had that, but I know we're hopefully seeing the light at the end of the tunnel pretty soon. And we'll be able to connect in those kinds of ways again to really um, interact with the student side of things. I do feel like I have that strong curiosity to connect with students and to hear the kind of changes that they want to see so that I can 
do what I can in, in my part to move those ideas forward or to start those initiatives in partnership with them as well. I feel you, yeah. Even like I'm a big introvert and stuff. So in my head, I was like, oh, I'm fine with like, you know, Zoom life and like virtual and stuff like that. But it really has been hard because even little things like just going out for like coffee with a student I work with and stuff is not so much more difficult. You know what I mean? I think it's getting better now because at the time of this recording, a lot of people are getting vaccinations specifically like at Elon too because we're in person. Um, so I think that's kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel, which helps a lot. One other thing I want to bring up with this group we actually haven't had a group yet that is fully of first generation staff members. So I kind of wanted to bring that piece up because not only is it difficult being a Latinx Hispanic person in education, in the workforce, but I think being first generation is like a whole new layer that makes it extra difficult to not only engage with the community at the university, but to literally navigate trying to enter higher ed, to try to enter the workforce and interviews and all this other stuff. So I just wanted to ask you both, maybe we can start with Kim, like how was it um, going into college and getting this job and just doing everything in um, regards to you being higher ed? I mean, in regards to you being first generation. Yeah, great question. And I, I really love this topic. Um, the first gen identity is one that I kind of navigated throughout my high school years. Um, my parents um, received an education, my mother particularly in her home country, El Salvador. So in my mind, I was like, oh, I can't be first gen. Like my mom went to college and like she has a degree in something. Like, am I taking some support away from other students who really need it? So the more I became educated on the topic, the more I became knowledgeable about my own first-gen identity and being like, okay, it's way different here in the US. It's going to be way different when I go to college. So it's an identity that I certainly grew to embrace as time went on. And especially when I found myself at a, another predominantly white institution for my college experience. So I was like, okay, like, definitely first gen. I can check that box because from what I'm hearing from, from people around me, it's been a very different experience. So just having that identity and just knowing how much weight that carries for a family is really important and something that I've kept with me. Like the day of my graduation, it kind of just felt like it's not just me walking that stage. It's like my whole family is with me and like I'm doing it for them and, and realizing some of their dreams and goals and in their decision of even coming to the States. So it was a, a really powerful moment that's kind of stuck with me and kind of driven me throughout. And knowing that education itself single-handedly made that shift for me, I think further fueled that passion to stay involved in education. And in the work I do now, um, it's certainly one of my goals to elevate that first-gen voice whenever I can in the spaces that I find myself. Um, I know the Center for Access and Success on campus here is doing some really great work um, to build that first-gen network across campus and to start those initiatives and get students that support. So it's an identity that um, that's evolving and I'm really glad that it's um, getting their voice elevated the way it is. And I know with Elon recently getting designated as a first-gen forward institution, that's really exciting to see and, and to hear that that, uh, that identity is coming to the forefront for us. Um, Kim, like, as you were talking, all I started to think about was like my own college graduation as well. And like that feeling of like accomplishment like it, it wasn't just my own it was shared um because like it was so much like family sacrifice as well for me to even get to college and like the support throughout that i'm like i like yes like you know i'll take credit like my name's on the diploma but like behind the diploma there are like so many people um supporting me and i always think about it too like with being first gen and i guess like my own personal journey it's like I've gotten to this point in life, but it's like on the shoulders of those who have like lifted me up to get here. Um, I, a, my experience with first generation before going into like university, I didn't think about it really. I don't think um, my parents, we never had that kind of conversation or anything like that. And like, um, with my friends, like we knew like that we were, you know, the first 
like perhaps like first generation Americans in our families. Um, and like, but we didn't really think about that much because we just, that was just like a shared sort of thing. Um, and even like our own challenges, we were kind of like, oh, you know, like this, yeah, like this is difficult. Like, I don't even know how to fill out a college application. Like, whoops, like, you know, this is like, I guess normal and stuff. Like it wasn't until I met other people who were not first generation that I realized, oh crap, like in, in, in high school, that being a conversation of like, oh, well, you know, my father went to so-and-so school. Like my parents are like, you know, alumni from this one. So I'm applying to this school. I'm like, oh word, like y'all really like that experience, you know, really shifts that for you. Okay. Um, and when I started to apply to colleges and stuff, I, realize that like there is some sort of support for first gens going on because at the University of South Florida um, two of the scholarships that I applied to that um, I received one of them which like helped like was the reason why I went to that school um, was the Brad and Terry Holcomb first generation scholarship so Brad and Terry Holcomb like awesome folks um, forever grateful to them they donate money to this like scholarship program um, to support first-generation students um, at the University of South Florida. So, but it's really small. Like our, my cohort was started off with five and we finished with four. And I think the program has no more than like 20 students per year. Um, so, but what that provided for me was like a lot of academic and like transition into college support, um, a lot of different opportunities to get in touch with like college life and what it means like helped me navigate things that I didn't even know existed and in college though I did experience a lot of like whoa like do I belong here kind of feeling because like there my experience wasn't as common um so when I would hear other people sharing their own experiences of like their families or like their own successes attached to their families and like this like history of education I'm like, well, I'm the only one in mine right now, like accessing this. Um, how do I explain it to my parents back home when I'm having a tough time? Because my parents are just happy that I'm here. Um, but I'm sitting here like, I'm stressed the heck out. Like, where do I go? Like, what do I do? And navigating that was like, first gen identity in college was hard. It remains interesting, like as a graduate student now, um, because it's something that I thought like, oh, you know, that only mattered in undergrad, but I realized that it actually carries over into my graduate studies and like my work today. So I think how I feel or what I realize about being first gen is that like, it is just a part of me. Um, and it's a part of me that I embrace and like, I don't view it as a detriment because it has opened me up to so many perspectives and so many it serves like as a bridge for me to connect with other first-gen um, folk, eh, not only in education, but also like in America. So it's a really cool commonality there. What about you, Daniel? It's, yeah, so I agree with both of you on a lot of things, but it was rough being first-generation. I feel like a lot of times I talk about that more, specifically being a first-generation college student, yes, but also a first-generation American, which is like a whole other thing, right? Because in our countries, college is so different. High school is different. Like so many of my cousins graduate high school at 16, 17, and we graduate here at a different age, like just a couple years older, but our universities work differently. And the reality of it is, is that like my family comes from like a really dirt poor kind of, um, honestly on both sides, but on my dad's side at this point, I would say most of my, my dad's side of the family is a lot better off now. But on my mom's side, it's like like farm people, like people that had little to no education kind of thing. Like I have cousins that literally didn't even finish high school. I was actually the first person in my family to finish high school. Like my dad dropped out here in the US because he came when he was really young. So he went to school in, high, in uh, New Jersey and he dropped out. And then my older brother on my mom's side, who I just, I don't believe in half brothers, fun fact. So I just call him like my older brother. But um, my older brother, um, he also dropped out of high school too. And he came from Colombia when he was like 14 going on 15. 
and he was just like super um against uh school in general and that's just like part of the system like it's almost like what i i would probably consider like almost like the cycle of poverty where it's just like that's where it kind of like stems from right and i feel like even watching like that so i remember when i was graduating from high school it was such a big deal and i didn't fully understand it but not only did I graduate from high school, I was like top 5% and literally myself, so many people on my dad's side of the family were super surprised. They were just like, I can't believe he made it. He did, he's doing so well, oh my gosh, and this and this. And I'm thinking like, what's the big deal? I mean, low key, I didn't go to the best high school. So for me, it was actually like decently easy. But the reality is, is just like, I didn't have um, that support. It was almost like amazement that not only am I still in school, but I was doing so well in it. So I felt like so much pressure because then following it, I have a younger brother and my younger brother is three years younger than me. And he, um, I feel like gets this pressure from me now where it's just like, well, look, Daniel did all of this stuff. Danny did all of this stuff where he was like top five. And now he's at a Florida International University, which by the way, isn't like a well-known university, but for me to get into a four-year school um, and get like financial aid to the point where like, I literally went to school for free almost they were like expecting that on him. So I'm just like, it added so much pressure, not only to him, but then to myself, because this is like, cool. And now I'm just like paving this model for him to go to school. And now he goes to Broward College, which is like kind of the equivalent of like a community college down here in South Florida, for those of you that are not aware of it. And um, he's doing great, but like, they still have that constant pressure, of him, pressure on him where it's like, you need to do what Daniel was doing. Why aren't you doing things as quickly as he is? Why aren't you doing things as blah, blah? So I feel like bad for him on that sense. So it added extra stress, not only on him and like my family, but also like on myself. Cause I was just like, I, I didn't mean for this to happen. I was just kind of like going about it. You know what I mean? So it's just like also this other extra layer of the identity of almost acting as the older brother. Even though I am the middle child, my older brother's like nine years older than me. So like he moved out years and years ago. So I act as like the older brother at this point. So it's been interesting. I don't know, it's just a lot of layers. So like when I talk about it, it's just so um, crazy. And then like, obviously in college, I was so lost. And I know this probably sounds like such a stupid thing, but when I was in high school, I didn't know people got money to go to school if you were poor, you know? Like I didn't, had no idea FAFSA existed. I didn't know, like I remember um, when I was even applying for FIU, they asked me, they're like, oh, so have you applied for scholarships and stuff? And I didn't even know anything about scholarships. I was like, my school didn't really inform me. And I remember telling them like, oh, I thought you got to go to the military to go to school for free. And they're like, no, there's like grants and stuff. Like if you apply and I'm like, wait, what? And so it was because of my, actually my pre-college advisor and she later became like my actual advisor for FIU. Um, she's the one that ended up helping me. And she was just like, no, no, there's like scholarships, there's aid and like, there's all these majors you could study. And she actually helped me solidify like my study in psychology too, where I felt so much more comfortable like studying it because she was like, yeah, there's things you could do with it. And, you know, she was very realistic with it. And she explained to me all these different things. So I'm really glad that I had her in particular, because if not, I really don't know what, I didn't even know where to start looking for. And I think that's the big problem too, is that I was just like lost and I just kind of had to figure it out. So I'm really glad people like her existed along with other first generation students where they were also just as equally at loss because I was kind of like Nelson too, where I didn't even realize I was first generation because most of the kids in my high school were people of color, first gen Americans and everything. So they had a very similar experience to me. So it wasn't until I was talking to students and they'll be like, yeah, no, I just came back from Europe this summer. Yeah, no, I just did this. My family has a library in the home. And I'm like, a library? Like, what? we don't read at home? Like, what? And just like this totally new experience kind of thing where I'm like, oh, OK, now I've realized that like I'm not like this kind of thing. So I kind of went on a tangent. So I don't know. Yeah. No, but, I, like, yeah. I, I think you touched on like even the fam familial aspect of it all um, really resonates with me, too, because like I'm like, I'm the oldest brother. And then I have like two younger brothers and they're fraternal twins. Um, so like, I'm currently like helping them navigate their own college journey and like even applying uh, to college. And then I went home a few weeks ago and I was like, okay, like today is FAFSA time. Like go ahead and pull out your laptops cause we're gonna do FAFSA together. So like I'm there filling out my FAFSA for my grad program and I'm helping them figure out like their FAFSA um, for like for them to start. And 
going into like the year and it was like I caught myself just kind of in an, a moment of awe of like I've paved almost like this way for them not for them to follow the, the like the exact path because like that's not like in small tangent but like that's I think how it feels especially when you're the first to do something um where it's kind of like okay like Nelson did it this way or Donnie did it this way um or even Kim maybe did it this way and like now this is a way to do it when for me it's like I don't want y'all to follow the same thing that I do because I hope that they never have to go to an experience that they don't match like they're not a good match with their like school of music for example and have to like go through this whole major change and like questioning and things like that like I hope they don't have to go through that but if they do like I am here to like support them through that moment because I've been through it before um but it does a the the family element to all of it and and that kind of extra expectation that comes with the challenge or creates a challenge of like okay you have to like go to college like do the thing so that like everyone else can follow after you and I'm like whoo hold on because I'm just trying to make it work right now for myself and like now I got to make it work for others too um yeah that really just resonated with me as you were sharing your like family experience with your brother there yeah, I think being the oldest Latina daughter in a Hispanic household is such an interesting dynamic too for me. Um, I went to Cummings High School here in the area and my brother is there now and there's an eight and a half year um, age gap, but like that does not affect any way, shape or form of how that pressure is still there. Like, oh, your sister did this, her grades did this, her grades got her like the scholarship to go to college debt free and like look at her now and I just I resonate with that Danny of like feeling bad that that pressure is there because you know you're not the one putting it on them but it's just you know you somehow have become this marker of success that that you never really intended to be you just kind of were following the steps that we're told to follow or the things we're told to do to be um, successful in the things we do. So it's certainly um, a lot of pressure to continue being that role model. Even now navigating the professional space as a first gen is like learning a lot of that too. And then like passing it on to those younger siblings and being like, okay, like when you get a job or when you're in an interview, it's okay if you ask questions at the end too. Like, don't feel like you have to say, I have no questions. It's actually better if you say you have questions. So it's passing a lot of that knowledge on of just learning how to, to navigate the world and, you know, like saving money and like planning for your retirement and, and things that, that like, my parents didn't teach to me, but I'm learning now in this space and time that I find myself. So just taking notes and being sure that that's passed along is a is this like kind of lifelong role model position that we hold as as that sibling. Literally, yeah, and that's what we're trying to pass on to like even younger cousins of mine. I have one actually he's here like <laughs> visiting now, um, where he's graduating high school like this semester, and so he's asking me also about college. And I do the same thing as like when Nelson was mentioning like the FAFSA. These are the courses. This is what a university core curriculum is, and explaining all that stuff and like. I remember when I was first doing all this, I was so annoyed. I'm like, why am I doing this? I had to figure this all out by myself. Why am, do I why do I have to help you, right? And then I started realizing, I'm like, it's not their fault. Like I was in the same space. I handled it differently, sure. But I'm like, why am I not helping if I can? Like, at least I have the knowledge and like the literal capacity. This is what I do. I am in higher education. Why not help or like try to assist like in any way I can? Even if I don't know all the answers, every school is different, every program is different, sure. But I do know more, I do know more than what I knew when I was their age, you know what I mean? So why not help them while I can? So I think that's a big thing. Um, I wanna wrap this off on a good note. I actually wanted to ask, since we are, are, we are all in our 20s, I wanted to specifically ask like, how has it been like working with students that are like around our age? I know like in my office, I work with students that are between 19 and like 22, give or take, and I'm 24 years old. And it's been super interesting because even in my previous position at FIU, 
I was working with students that were, I was actually supervising students where most of them were like older than me, which is super weird. I was 21, 22 at the time. And now being 24, I'm only a couple of years older than the students. So I don't feel like a large disconnect. Like compared to my supervisor, for example, when I first came to the university, everyone knew her as like la mama, la madre kind of thing. Like she was the mother of El Centro and she was kind of like the mother for the Latinx Hispanic community. And I feel like I'm not gonna have that experience where it's like, oh my God, el papa or el tío. No, I'm like low-key the older brother where I'm just like talking to them. Um, the way I normally talk, like, I don't know, it's just been an interesting experience. I really, really like it because I feel like I can connect with them more, yes, but I can also be myself like authentically. And I've been really, really blessed in the sense where I have a team of like very mature, like outspoken, like well-educated students. And I don't need to like navigate certain conversations with them because they already know it kind of thing. They're very mature for their age. They're very mature in general, period. And I really enjoyed actually like working with people like around their age. I don't know, like what's your experience has been? Um, I am a bit, I mean, like I'm still in my 20s. So like, let me not get over myself, but I'm 27. So like I'm on the later half of the 20s, I guess, or not even, I guess I am in the later half of the 20s, um, which I, to be honest, was kind of nervous about like coming into like a graduate program um, at 27 because I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm so old already, like everyone's going to be like 20, you know, like early 20s or like in their teens or even like my colleagues are going to be younger, but um, I've actually found that with the time that I was away from higher education, I actually have like a like gained a lot of maturity and perspective on things that better help me support like my students right now. Um, in the Center for Leadership, we have like our team of seven interns and we have our office assistants as well. So like those are primarily the students that I interact with on the day to day. And I'm able to, with them, we have like this really great culture in the office um, where like I'm able to be authentically myself in all of my identities um, where I don't feel like I have to like hide any part of me in like the work that we do. So it actually feels kind of nice, um, not even kind of, it feels nice and great to be able to connect with them in that way of like, hey, you know, what music are you listening to right now? And like, they'll drop me the name and I'm like, all right now, like, you know, like I'll go ahead and add it to my Spotify. So like, I find that it's almost like a, they, as much as I think I help them learn or I hope I'm helping them learn and like contributing to their learning, they're also contributing to my own. Um, and I do, I think maybe cause I do have like younger brothers. I also do feel this almost like older brother sort of feeling with them along with like my professional, um, like that goes along with my professional identity. And cause I don't want them to be like, oh, you know, leadership work is stiff and boring. Um, like I, like it's really exciting um, to be thinking about leadership and like how to support our communities in, in that way. Um, I also really like it because leadership in particular, like in the Center for Leadership, leadership is something that um, has like traditionally not been inclusive of different identities. And our office right now is a like really diverse um, and the, uh, like not only like diverse student identities, but also like diverse student perspectives. And it's really beautiful for me to then expand my definition of leadership with them and like really empower them in their work um so even though like we're close in age we're distant enough that like I, I i have like that perspective of like i see things that you don't yet and i'm gonna help you get there um and that things are gonna get better so it's a nice contribution right now that i get to have yeah well i'll balance us out i'm smack in the middle of my 20s i'm 25 right now so um, it's certainly an interesting age and the student groups that I work with most closely are the diversity ambassadors in our office of admissions as well as our 
tour guide team. And uh, most recently, the students over at El Centro, which are some great volunteers that um, take up a lot of initiative and, and get things done. So it's been great to connect with them in that way. And Nelson, I really like what you were saying about um, kind of that reciprocal relationship, like that give and take. Um, for me, I certainly feel inspired whenever I hear the students introducing themselves and it's like, I have two majors and two minors and I'm in all these clubs and I do all these things. And it's just, you know, they're gonna be successful and you know, they're gonna be great leaders once they leave this campus. So. It's really inspiring to hear uh, the great things that that generation is doing. So it's it's like you said, a good good enough age where you feel like you're not so close that it's like I was in your shoes yesterday, but it's um, still close enough that you can feel like okay, like you seen that TikTok? Okay, cool, me too. So um, it's you know trying to stay relevant, but you know in that age group um, where everyone's kind of just learning, where we're all like you know just because I'm 18 doesn't mean I'm an adult now. So I, I think it's certainly a reciprocal relationship of, of everyone's learning from each other and, and supporting each other in those ways. And I really, really look forward to the day that we can gather in person so that I can connect with more students. I know in the Office of Admissions, I'm not as student facing as I would like to be or as you both might be. So I really, um, I really look forward to that time and and being able to connect to more students in that way. Awesome. So let's wrap up this podcast here. I think we've had a good amount of like conversation and stuff. Um, yeah, no, I appreciate you both for being here. I just wanted to ask this one final takeaway. Would you have any takeaways or like advice for like incoming Latinx Hispanic professionals? Even like we were on the topic earlier for first generation professionals, like anything you want to shout out to the students or to anybody coming up in that space? I can kick us off. Um, I think the the biggest piece of advice that I've received um, since coming to Elon is about owning my story and like bringing my story with me into what I do. Um, and like, I guess the way that that shows up for me is like with authenticity. So like when I go into the workplace, like sometimes like the Spanish words will come out of my mouth because like my brain is, you know, thinking in, in now three different languages. So like when I speak Spanish or like my accent comes out too, like my Spanish accent, like I before used to really apologize for it and be like, oh my God, like, no. Cause like it made, I feel like it made me different. But now I realize that like that difference is such a source of strength um, in, you know, so many different ways that my advice is always to like honor who you are um and and let let whatever identity that it is that you hold or whatever background that you have like redefine and expand what it means to be a professional um because like when i go to work it's not like nelson at work it's like nelson first gen, Afro-Dominican, queer, um, like trilingual, whatever the heck, like X, Y, and like, and so on and so on and so on that I bring with me. Um, and I realized that like, especially when it comes to our culture, there's so many things that I've pulled from to leadership um, that has just expanded how leadership works and, and what we do. So that's really cool. And I've been able to do that because I bring that in. So that's something that I encourage everyone to like bring yourself in, bring everything that you have in, and it'll add value because it's valuable. Yeah, I'll add in a little bit of both. Um, if, on the professional side of things as a first gen professional, um, one of the best pieces of advice that I got is to to always negotiate your offer, your job offer when you're trying to get a, a job. Um, you know, you've gotten that initial offer. You, you know they would like you and they see the value in having you on their team. So the worst that can happen most of the time, fingers crossed, is that they'll just say, uh, no, like we can't match, um, you know, that, that request you made. 
but it doesn't always have to be a, a dollar amount. It can look like negotiating your time off. If you say, you know, oh, like this time of year, I, I would like to take this kind of day off, you know, negotiate that. Um, be sure that, you know, you don't leave anything on the table. Um, the person that gave me this advice, a colleague, uh, in their own job experience, they found that their supervisor later shared, you know, you did leave money on the table because you didn't ask to negotiate it. So don't be afraid to, to negotiate it. Um, I know it's, it's intimidating to do. It certainly was intimidating to do in my experience as well. But that's like a, a, a good thing to get in the habit of doing or practice of doing um, in that first gen professional space. And then once you secure that and you're, you're employed or you're wherever you want to be in that program or new space, um, find those people that, that feed you and, you know, feed your soul and, and give you that support that you need as you navigate this work that we know is oftentimes difficult work or frustrating work. And we all need those people that you can um, fall back on and, and, you know, be your confidants and, and, and trust in them, you know, those feelings of frustration because they can relate to it. So um, find your community and find your community to also celebrate your successes because those will come too. So just have those people make that a, make that a point when you're entering those spaces to, to connect them. You can't see this, but Nelson is giving me all the snaps. Thank you, Nelson. Uh, you know, you're part of that crew here. So uh, thank you both, Danny, you as well. So certainly um, find your people. For sure. And I'll just keep mine super short, but my advice would definitely be like own your story, what Nelson was saying, but also don't be afraid to ask questions. I feel like that was a big thing for me where I was always like embarrassed almost to talk about my family's like history. I was even embarrassed to say I'm Colombian at one point and I'm like in an area where most of us are like Latinx, Hispanic. Um, but really just like ask those questions. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy because you never know if you're talking to somebody, someone else is also shy and that same story is going to resonate with them. You know what I mean? So just like, don't feel embarrassed. But thank you both for coming on here. This is such a different podcast. I hope people enjoy it. Thank you all for listening. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, tune in next week for our next episode where we'll be talking about more um, conversations about the Latinx Hispanic community. Um, gracias a todos. Echale ganas. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, yeah.